0: Hey, what's up everybody? This is Craig Dyson. My wife, Kara, and I are the pastors of Convo Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the message. All right, now, we uh, want to introduce uh, Pastor Doug Lassett, who's going to be preaching this morning, and give you just a, just a little bit of context. I'm going to make it short and sweet because I don't want to cut into his time. But I just want you all to understand that relationship is something that is huge, something that is so important. And it's one thing to have people that are uh, in your life that maybe you look to as role models and mentors and examples. It's another thing to have close relationship with people that are also that. We've Kara and I have known, Pastor Doug and Donna, for I really don't know. It's definitely over 20 years. And not to, like, date anything, but, like, both of us remember that I think the first time we saw – Uh, Doug and Donna was when they came to our youth camps. And I say ours, she grew up on the West Coast, I grew up on the East Coast, and I think it actually might have even been the same summer that you did our youth camp at Myrtle Beach and also did a youth camp where she was the exact same year, come on, Oregon Coast, and that's when we, and I think we were both like 15, 16 years old, and so since then, like we have... We've looked to them, we've followed them, we've watched them, relationship has built over the years, and uh, to the point where we never really would have anticipated to have the relationship now that we have with them, and now seeing God do this, and Convo Church, and... Now, them coming here to to really, they came here because they love us, but they also came here because they love you, and they and their church has been praying for you and praying for Reno and praying for Convo Church, and I'm telling you, these are, you know, from worship to preaching to just life in general, these are two of the most gifted and anointed and loving leaders and most encouraging people that we have literally ever known. And it is an honor for them to be here with us today. And so I want you all leaning in. I want you taking notes. You all know how I like it. I want you all saying amen. Amen. mm Mm-hmm. That'll preach. Standing, waving hankies is always acceptable at Convo Church, okay? And so can you all clap and welcome Pastor Doug as he comes to preach this morning.
1: That's buddy. Love you, man. Pastor Craig is so tall, I just lean into him. When I, I stopped hugging him 15 years ago, I just lean in, and, and uh, all right. Okay, so it is so good to see you, and uh, we love you very much. I want to get through the introductions quickly, but uh, first of all, I want to have my wife Donna come. Okay, Donna, you come. This is my wife Donna. She was singing this morning. Come all the way, like all the way, all the way. And do we have a microphone? She's going to rap. She needs...
2: It It is so exciting to be here. You have no idea. Coming from a church planner to see a church that is at this beginning stages is so exciting because, you know, we we tell our dream team or something that Elliot kind of uh, brought in as a thought, but dream team are the people that see They see what they can't see in the natural. They see beyond it. They see the vision. They see the dream. And uh, what's exciting is I can see that. I can be in this room and see beyond what you see. You see this right now, but, you know, we're nine years in, and I can see the lives that have been transformed and changed because of the sacrifice of the people that believed in the vision before you could really see it. And so I just want to encourage you. I mean, I'm so excited for each of you to jump in and see what God will do. Who knows the lives that will be impacted because you said yes to jump on this train, jump in this vision, put your hands, your hearts in. And uh, you have incredible pastors. We love Craig and Kara. We're so honored to be in their lives and have seen such amazing fruit from their lives. There's something I, I, I know about them is that they're very relational heart people. And those are my kind of people. So you are in a good place, a safe place. If you're new here, this is a safe, this is good ground where you can plant and grow to be all that God has for you. So love you. So excited. Can't wait to see what God does.
1: Thank you. No, one more, one more. I want to have another gentleman here that's with me, one of my staff guys, one of my team members. Uh, Elliot Sawyer, who's been with us now for for a while, he led a a worship movement in Colorado that was birthed out of a a prayer thing that happened after the uh, massacre that happened at the movie theater. Most of you would remember that. Uh, he birthed the little prayer movement that grew and grew and grew, and in those years we became close. And he's on our team now. And I just want Elliot to come and say hello to you because I think he has a, he has a real heart for you. This guy's praying for you every week, just in yeah, case you didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. Well, thank
3: you guys for having us, first and foremost. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Pastor Craig, I got to tell you, man, I fell in love with you a little bit more a minute ago when you mentioned Myrtle Beach. Because I grew up on the East Coast, too, and I grew up going there the Redneck Riviera. So there we go. Um, so glad that you just dropped that. Um, but real quick, I, want, I got a chance to spend some time in their house yesterday. And Donna mentioned this just a moment ago, but I always believe in following pastors who are tried and tested. And they've been through, they were sharing their journey, 20 years of ministry. And sometimes if you've been through 20 years of ministry, you want to leave or exit. But they're in it for the next 20 years, 30 years, 40 years of life. And I just believe that you guys have incredible pastors. They've been tested, and they're willing to keep fighting. And they're more excited than I believe they've ever been before for what God wants to do for your life, for the city of Reno. And then one last thought, you know, as as Pastor Donna was sharing, that you guys are here in the beginning. It's an exciting time. Sometimes all the things might not be figured out. You might not. It's just a new season. It's a it's a baby being born. But what's really exciting, what I see, is that God works in seeds and that you guys are the seeds that God wants to multiply. That you might, that I see, you know, you guys in this room, but God sees thousands. God yeah. sees you as seeds that'll multiply and reach your city and touch your life and touch the people that you know. And I just believe that God wants to do big things here in Convo Church, and you guys represent the seeds for the future in the city of Reno. So thank you for being here. Thank you for supporting the vision and what God's doing here in your church. So, so glad to be a part of it with you guys. Yep. Amen. All
1: right. Okay, so I have to, I'm going to start out with one complaint, because that's how I roll. I always complain first, just joking. But you did a bumper for my message. I don't even have a bumper for my message. I'm doing this at home, and I'm getting ready. I don't even have a bumper for my message. So you have left my team in the dust, and I want you, the bumper, I need the bumper. I, and I, I'll even pay for it. I'll even, I'll even buy someone a latte, but please give me the abide bumper. That's my message for my church, and you are way ahead of us. So uh, I was literally blown away. I was sitting here thinking, what is wrong with my church right now? Why do I not have a bumper for my message? Who do I have to fire to get a bumper? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, all right, so this morning's message, because we're family, uh, it's a little bit of a free- for-all this morning because there's a few things I want to say to you first of all I have known your pastors most of most of their, Uh, you know, adult life in a sense. I met them when they were teenagers. And yes, in the same summer, I preached at her youth camp on one coast and I preached at his camp on the other coast and the Holy Spirit was moving, amen. The Holy Spirit, there was a prophetic, I didn't didn't know that, I don't even know if I believe that, but let's go with it. It was a prophetic um, thing that happened there. I've known them through every season of their life. Uh, I've known them at each transition of their life. My wife and I have been involved with probably every ministry transition that they have made uh, since they got married, and so I, you know, I, I appreciate it and I, I love it when they call us pastors and all that kind of stuff. But I got to tell you, if I could say one thing to you this morning about your pastors, because because you have to understand, and I think some of you will get this, the longer the longer that you go, the longer you live, the more church experiences that you have, right? the more there is one issue that I think, for me personally, means more than almost anything else. And I'm going to say this about your pastors. And that is that you can trust them. You can trust them. I want you to know that through every season, they've responded. Um, They have had great victories. They've also been through wildernesses. They've been tested. They've been tried. And through all of it, they have kept their attitude and their spirit the way that it should be if you're, if you're a leader, you're anyone, but I mean, as a pastor, I've watched them do this for many years and you can trust this couple. You can trust them. They're not gonna lie to you. They're not gonna cheat you. They're not here for themselves. And no one who church, church plants <laughs> is... It just doesn't work that way, you know. Hey, I got a great idea. Let's not get a real job, quote unquote. Uh, let's spend all of our own money to start the church. Let's let's set up nine thousand feet of of black curtains for the next however many years, and um, let's turn a middle school into a into a church. Let's let's do that, and um, let's let's put a, a drummer back there. Um, and, and you know, I know you guys just have your acoustic drums back here, right? You got the, you got. I'm sorry, um, Biff, that they put you in a cage, but uh, you know, I have an anointing. Now, my, my, my belief is, I'm you know, Douglass at setting drummers free from their cages everywhere. That's my new ministry. So I'm believing that one day she will come out of the cage. Um, you know, you, you you set up and you tear down and and uh, so I'm, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go here. So like my wife and I planted and. Uh, Only a very few of you know any much about us at all, but we planted um, after about 20 years of ministry. And so I planted at 40, basically at the same age that that Craig is. He's actually 30 most of the time, but today he's 40. And um, that's because it's the truth. Um, And so... And so I planted at the same age, and a lot of my friends who were planting were in their, in their 20s and 30s, you know. I'm Grandpa Lassett starting a church, and they're starting a church at 25, you know. And they have, they have a lot of experience. They don't have a lot of experiences. One of the things that, that, that's different uh, in terms of health in a church plant is that these guys didn't show up, you know, here on a Sunday afternoon and go, now how do we do church? You know what I mean? Like, how do we do this? Oh my gosh, let's get to a seminar as fast as we can. You know, they just, you just show up and you build church because it's what you've done your whole life. Um, in our church, we're nine years old, right? Our church is nine years old. So uh, we started with 11 people in our first meeting. We actually had about 16 people on our team, but because they were all unemployed baristas from Portland, Oregon, um, <laughs> we gathered what we could. And uh, first meeting had 11 we had no people, but we had amazing coffee, which is a God, it is a God thing depending on your perspective on life. Uh, we had 11 people. Um, we filled up our living room. We went to a hotel. Uh, I just met a couple here that was here on the first Sunday. We still, have, we still have people in our church that were here on the very first Sunday, nine years ago, and I, I love seeing them because they've walked through the, the whole journey with us. Um, we have snow. We have lots of snow, uh, you know, we were talking about the snow last night and I, and I said, we have adopted a saying and, and because it's, it's real in Denver, if the Catholics don't cancel, we don't cancel. <laughs> and I don't know what it is about the Catholics. They don't, they never cancel, you know, and their church is always packed. So we had a, we had a weekend just like this. It was one of our first weekends at our in our conference room. And uh, we had set up the night before, just like these guys did. And, and uh, the snow, a snowstorm came in, and I was like, we're going to cancel. And, you know, you're having faith. People are, people are going to drive, but I don't know if they will. And, and so we're going to cancel. Anyways, and so that night I was, uh, or that morning, we decided to keep going. And As I'm driving in, the Catholic Church was packed. I mean, cars down the street overflow, and just something rose up inside of me. So for the, for the last nine years, for the last nine years, it's been if the Catholics don't cancel, we don't cancel. And um, I thank them for their inspiration. And uh, we, don't, we don't cancel for snow. Um, you, just, you just get there. I think we've canceled maybe a couple times in nine years, but we had four feet of snow. We, we had one snowstorm. I, that's why I thought I, I had moved to Siberia in the first three months. We had a little white car, and I came out one morning, and our little white car had been, was, was, you know, it was a little Celica. It was completely buried in snow. And originally, I'm from Hawaii, so you have to understand the deep-seated dealings of God that I was experiencing in that moment. When, I, when you can't find your car... You better know that God is in this. Uh, in the first five years, we had 23 locations, 23 locations. So um, we, we planted in a poor economy. My theory was that if we can do it when, when the country's in a poor economy, as the economy changes, it'll be good for you, right? So you, we planted in a bad economy, and in, in Colorado, you could have church anywhere you wanted because as a central city, People would come for conferences, hotels were empty, conference centers, were. you could have church anywhere, and then all of a sudden the the economy started to turn around, and they started to throw us out of everywhere we wanted to go, because the economy was changing, they're going to make more money off of business, so we had 23 locations, at one point, we did 12 different locations in a row, 12 weeks in a row. And our motto was, if you can find us, you can worship with us. God bless you. I mean, I did. I, that's not even a joke. Every Sunday, that is the last thing that I would say is people were leaving. If you can find us, you can worship with us. I love you. God bless you. Have a great week. And visitors were always like, wow, that was weird. Like, that was the weirdest thing I've ever heard. And... Uh, we just relied on Twitter and Facebook and um, whatever whatever we could do. It was so bad that, it, that there were at least two occasions specifically where I didn't even know where church was. And when your pastor doesn't know where church is, seriously, there's a problem. And Because uh, I, I didn't know what hotel, where we are at. And so one morning, I'm 12 weeks in a row, I go to a hotel. I hide down in a corner so I can not see anybody and I can pray and work on my notes. I think church is being set up. Um, upstairs in the conference center. I'm downstairs praying, and I'm like texting. How's it going? It's going great. It's going to be awesome today. We love you, Pastor Doug. Got a problem with the, the whatever, and we, we fixed it. Okay, good. All right, here I come. I come up the escalator. I come into the hotel lobby. I'm looking at, no church. No church. So I'm like, where are you? They're like, what do you mean? Like, where are you? Where, where, where are you? There's no one in the hotel. They're like, where are you? I'm like, I'm in a hotel. They're like, oh, no. You are on the other side of the city. Um, so we had, we had moments where we would just, they would just look at Donna, and they would just go, just keep singing. Just keep singing. Just keep singing. Donna would look down. Just keep singing until I could drive across the city and run through the back and act like it was all planned. Can I just tell you that there are just some things that you do that if God's in it, it's going to work. Regardless of how sometimes we kind of mess it up along the way, you know, and uh, God's so good. So we church planted. We did it. We got through. We have a building. Um, and I, I look back into the twenty years previous of our life, and uh, so many of the wonderful relationships. You you learn that that the relationships that you have had really fuel, you know, what it is that you're building in the future. Um, and you appreciate those relationships, but there are moments of faith. Craig and Kira took that moment of faith. They called me in their car, by the way. They called me in from their car, driving here for the first time, and I just remember the faith that was in their voice. You know, the faith that they had to plant this church and. Um, and I, I, I want to just go back to that moment for a second and, and just say to you all that I just truly believe that you have great pastors. This is going to be a great journey, whether you have one location, 500 locations, whether you, whether you know what's going on. It doesn't matter whether the drummer's caged or not caged. It, it really makes no difference. God's in it. You're going to have a great journey. And I'd like you to do me a favor. I'd like you to stand to your feet and clap for pastors Craig and Kara and their family for making the move over here. Uh, okay? because they they deserve it. They deserve it. You guys are amazing. We love you. It's going to be a great journey. I'm, I'm privileged to be a part of it. I also want to just say hello to Elizabeth and, and Hannah Whitaker. I knew them way back, uh, more than a decade ago. They were with us in Bible college. I was their teacher and their, their young adult pastor for a while. It's good to see you guys. You guys are amazing, and, and I'm just really blessed to see you today. All right, so the first thing that happened to me when I planted was um, I needed to really solidify whether or not I knew Jesus. How many of you think that's a really good idea? Okay. Okay. Um, because everything kind of everything went wrong. And uh, and so you, you start to kind of work through stuff. I'm going to talk this morning about the word abide just for a few minutes. I know that he gave, I, I'm on a time clock, but I'm only here once a year. And whenever I'm here, there's a natural disaster. So I'm just going to take a little extra time. The last time I was here, by the way, there was like a hurricane. And we were outside having a meeting, a church service outside in a hurricane. And I knew there was a problem when literally entire picnic like meals were flying through the air, and I gotta tell Pastor Craig, you were so bold. You stood up there like there was nothing wrong, and uh, that's when I knew everything was gonna go well. Um, so as you're as you're going as you're going through life, you, you plant your church. This is a church plant context. Great job. You've been here a few months. I love it. Um, I over the years I have I have accumulated some interesting emails. And um, when you learn how to abide, it's interesting. When your business is people, people have an impact on you. And, and, and for me as a pastor, there were moments just through emails. I'm going to make a couple more jokes. This is who I am. But I had to learn, learn how to abide. I want to read to you the top 10 emails that I received in the first two years as a church planter. Now, I want you to know that I did not make these up. This is 100% true. These are quotes from the emails. And if any of these are, you know, and, and, and I sh- probably shouldn't read them, but, but because if, it's, if, like some, if some of you are this person, this might be a God thing. This might be a God moment for you to not send this email uh, to your pastors. But I'm gonna read them to you and I'm gonna talk about what it was like for us to hang on and to abide, okay? So top 10 emails. Uh, number one, pastor just following up on our conversation from Sunday, for prayer, um, and if you could please continue to pray for us, because we're still looking for a good church to go to. Thank you so much. <laughs> Actual email. Oh, they get, oh, they get better. So, if, if you're the church planter, and you know nobody in your city, some guys plant in their own city, they start with 300, 500, and when you're alone, and, and like in your first three weeks, you get that email. Number two, Pastor, I don't need to do membership. I did it in the Baptist church 30 years ago and I'm sure it will transfer. (laughs) And you go, it's a church plant. Yes, it will. Transfer, done. Um, Number three, pastor, great meeting you. I would love to get together with you and talk about my preaching gift, but I promise I'm not asking to speak. sure number four there is no way that we could go to a church pastor that takes offerings in between the worship and the preaching there should be a bucket in the back where i can leave my offering everyone knows that i'm leaving no i'm the pastor i got that and they left and you don't don't even think for a second i'm like not thinking about a bucket in the back you know you don't (laughs) Did I miss something in the last 20 years? Maybe we'll move it. Pastor, concerning trying out for the worship team, I have eight trumpets. I'm going to bring them all to worship practice so that you can see them, but I'm sure you will love them all. And and the best part is, oh yeah, he showed up with eight trumpets. And showed us all eight. I won't tell you the end of the story. Number six. Pastor, this Sunday when your wife spoke, my life was changed. Literally, it was one of the most powerful services I've ever been in in my life. I'm still crying. My wife has that effect on people. I'm still crying. Thank you so much. But unfortunately, I have to leave the church now because I don't believe a woman should speak. And she left. You, you you have to understand. If you don't know that you're in God's will, it's like I'm, I am, done. Right. Pastor, here's one of my favorites. Then you're gonna love this one. This one was painful, but 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 I got this. Pastor, hey, every Sunday after church. We've started listening to Stephen Furtick. I have a great message you should hear. Can you feel my pain right now? Every Sunday after I hear you speak, we have to go listen to Stephen Furtick just to cleanse our spirit. And just get whatever you said out of us. He said something really good you should hear today about communication or something. I actually got that email. Pastor, we are in. Don't worry if you don't see us for the next three and a half months. We are in. <laughs> but it's summer in Colorado, and that's our time to play. But we're here to serve you if you need us. See you in September. Wow. <laughs> oh my God. Actual email. Pastor, we won't be back. We're looking for a church where the focus is more on us. And I still don't know what that means. And here, here's, here's, here's my favorite. Because our church, our church is located in a, just an interesting spot. We're in a giant complex. With, we're in one building surrounded by other buildings. So on the left, on my left, we have the largest strip club in all of Colorado. We share their parking lot. We share a park. Next to them, we have one of the hottest, new, hippest dispensaries in all of Colorado. On this side behind us, we have a hospital. On this side over here is ESPN. And on this side over here is the FBI. And right in the middle is our church. It seems New Testament to me. I don't know, but I got this. I got this email one day. Pastor, your church is located too close to a lot of sinful activity. We're going to be looking for a church in an area that does not have sin. Right? Like that was that was like eight years ago. They're still in their car. They're still in the car. All right? This is church planting. And so, you know, while we're doing church on Sunday mornings and your pastors are preaching, I want you to just remember that this is church planting. And don't, don't ever be, like, embarrassed about that, like, like we're growing and we need more volunteers and we need to work because you're going to get to a point to where you're gonna, people will come just because it's new. So you'll be, like, five years in saying, hey, we're just a church plant you know and because people come for just go with it love it experience it and know that God his hand is on your life you're in the right place and and you just walk through and watch people watch people begin to get transformed it church planning so my wife and I we just we we really had to abide in Christ now this isn't one of the I'm going to talk a little bit from 1 John for a minute not not the other f- more famous in John you know abiding scriptures because there's a difference here but We had to abide, we had to know that we were in Christ. Like we were in his will, we are in his presence. Um, He loves us, we we know him, we've been doing it for a while, we've we've cried, we've laughed, um, we've had all kinds of experiences with Jesus and we're we're abiding in him. Because at any point along the the line, if you stop abiding in him, then it's easy for the enemy to come and take you out. Because what you're in uh, has an impact on what can get to you. Okay? And so we had to make sure that we were abiding along the way. So I'm going to talk from 1 John. 1 John is is another book from the Apostle John. the apostle John wrote the gospel. That's, that's Jesus is here. He's, he's, we're all going to get saved and God's good. And Then you fast forward. Uh, John is the only now. He's an aged apostle. He's the only one still alive. Everyone else is gone. He's the last one. And now he's looking at all these people in the, in the community that had all found Christ and got saved. And they're starting to struggle. They're struggling with their faith. And so he comes back in First John and he begins to talk, hey, you guys need to get back in and abide with him. Because at some point you started, you started being around God, but you're not in God. It's not the same. You, you can be around God all you want, but if you're never in God, if you're never in Christ, you'll never know what Christ really is trying to do in your life and then there's this dichotomy that happens and you begin to blame God for things that are happening instead of walking through things with God that are happening as a part of your journey and as a part of your testimony. So there's this difference and so that's why this book is so much about, I wanna tell you about what I saw. I touched him, I know him, I hung out with him. You've gotta know that this is real to me. First John chapter one, verses one through four. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at with our hands and have touched. We're proclaiming this concerning the word of life. Verse 2. And by the way, this life appeared to me. And we've seen it. And we testify to it. And we're proclaiming to you the, uh, the eternal life, which was with the Father and has now appeared to us. We are proclaiming to you what we have seen, what we have heard so that you also may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and the Son and we were writing this to make our joy complete. He's saying, look, I'm writing you this letter, all of you who are struggling because... I, I'm not trying to give you some theory, we're not up here talking about theology and eschatology and ecclesiology and all theologies. I'm just trying to tell you, I knew Jesus, I walked with him, I saw the holes in his hands, I watched Thomas struggle, I watched Peter be a jerk, I watched James get all religious and go back to Jerusalem, and I, I watched all of this, I was there when all this happened, and actually, I'm, I'm telling you, I knew the man, I, w- I was there, I knew when he rose from the dead, I'm talking about raising from the dead, so any Any of you people right now who think that Jesus isn't real, and you're struggling with whether he's real in your life, right? I'm telling you he's real. That's what John's saying. It's Somewhere along the line, you've lost the real Jesus. By the way, this is the beginning of Gnosticism in history. Gnosticism, the idea that Jesus isn't real. He was just an image. He was like a projection, working through things. And, And he's like, no, I saw him, and I touched him. I touched him, right? Okay, so back to verse one. Number one, abiding is rooting in a real experience with God. Verse one, that which was from the beginning, which I've heard, seen, touched, this is what I'm talking about. So what he says is now, now this is John the apostle. So he wrote, he wrote the gospel of John, which was in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word, and the, and the word became flesh and came down and hung out and dwelt among men, right? So now he's using the same language, that which was from the beginning. So what he's doing is he's saying, guys, it's the same language, it's the incarnation. He came down here to hang out with you and we saw him and we touched him and we had an experience with him and this is so real to me. I've got to write this to you because you guys are all getting a little weird and you're losing your relationship with Christ. He's real. And he begins to talk about what it means to abide what it means to know him and stay with him. Let me define abide for you. There's a couple of different definitions, but, but in this definition, in the Greek, it means this. Abide is a feeling or a memory that you continue in without fading or being lost. To abide means I have a relationship that is so real and so dynamic and so vibrant, it's not going anywhere. Uh, it's kind of what happens if you're a parent and you have a child, and you're in the, when we had our first child, we're, we're, I was going to say, we're having the, ch- we were having the child, but we weren't, she was, I was there. <laughs> well, the, the child comes out, her name's Kaylee, you don't know her, her name's Kaylee, if you do know her, Kaylee, she's now 20 years old, some of you, I just dated, aged you, she's 20 years old, when, when she was born, I literally, you're going to, you're going to, I laughed out loud, I just started laughing. I couldn't stop laughing. And Donna's like, why are you laughing? And I was like, because I can't believe that God would trust me with a child. <laughs> and I was just like, I can't believe this. I can't, I can't understand. Doesn't he know? <laughs> this is not a good idea, <laughs> you know? And I remember holding her. In, in, in my, so you, you can talk about it all you want, but until you hold a little baby like that, and you feel the, um, the, uh, just the pressure or the responsibility of, wow, this is, this is my child. You never understand. I can talk about restaurants. You can tell me your favorite restaurant. But until I go there, you know, I won't know. But once I go there, I have the experience, and you can never take that away from me. Now, me being an islander, I want you to understand something. I eat a lot of sushi. Um, most of my family eats raw stuff. That was really hard for my wife when we got married, and even before we got married. This is how we are. We, when I was a child, we would walk the beach with a pocket knife, and if it was alive, we ate it. We just, we just—I'm not even joking. We just go down the beach and just have lunch, right? That's just, just get over it. That's how we roll. I told my wife one day, "This is how we do it." She looked at me and she was second-guessing our entire relationship. And now my wife, all these years later, has come to love seafood and sushi and, and we'll go out on a date and what do you want just sushi and I'm just like thank you Jesus you have moved miraculously on my behalf and my children my children will love to eat raw things it's a, it's so good and thank you Lord and you may not agree with me some of you're just steak people right I took my son out the, uh, a few weeks ago he he had his first what he called a man steak he's 15 he'd never been able to order cuz it's expensive right <laughs> what do you want? Chicken nuggets or mac and cheese? He's 15. He's like, dad, no more chicken nuggets. And I was like, tonight, son, you are having a man steak. He ordered a 16 ounce bone-in ribeye and they put it in front of him. Literally my son, he took a gasp of air because he is a 15 year old boy. Meat equals the Lord. And he just stared at it, and wouldn't even take a bite. I said, try it. He's like, I don't want to. I just, and and he stared at it. And then he took a bite, and then that was all we heard from him for the rest of the meal. And for like two weeks we got home, he kept telling everybody, I had my first man steak the other night. I had my first man steak the other night. Every guy on our staff, hey, I had my first man steak the other night. You know, it was like, and all my staff guys were like, Hey go man yeah I'm a first man th- but until you have it you don't you don't understand it I, I took my family to the Grand Canyon and we sat on the side of the cliff at sunset it's a very scary experience but there's a thousand people doing it I guess that makes it okay <laughs> and everyone there is doing the same thing they're all googling how many people fall off the Grand Canyon every year right? Yeah. It's like seven or eight people, like every six months people fall. And But it's not like you get up. It's not like you move. You go, oh, and you wiggle your toes. You know, it's kind of like, I can tell you that it's 22 miles long. I can tell you that it's a mile deep. I can tell you that it's 10 miles wide. But until you sit at sunset for 45 minutes on the Grand Canyon, one of the great um, the great uh, places on the entire planet, and you watch the sunset on the Grand Canyon with thousands of other people, it's, the most, it's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. If you were to come up to me and say, hey, Pastor Doug, hey, um, should I go to the Grand Canyon? I would say, please go to the Grand Canyon once. Put it on your bucket list. Get there 45 minutes before the sun goes down. You will love it. You will never uh, experience anything like it. You will never forget it. Can I ask you a question? Why is it that Christians can't talk about their faith like that? Because they've never had an experience that they live in that is not going to fade. They've they've never been inside of something. They've walked with him, touched him, cried with him. They've been through hell and high water with Jesus. They've had the worst day and the bad day. They've never had experiences like that in their whole life. So when someone goes, what's it like to be a Christian? We go, well, I don't like Christians, but I go to church. And I love all these new lines that people have. I don't like Christians, but I, but I go to church. You can't go to church and not like Christians. We're all there for Christ. Christians. <laughs> so somebody hurt you. Somebody said something to you. Some pastor was mean to you. Right, so we just start throwing stuff. This is what Christians do when they don't have experiences with Christ that they abide in that are so powerful and so transformative that every time they get bumped, they blame it on somebody else and they start painting a bad picture about what church is like or somebody else. I'm telling you that when you get past the being around him and you go to being in him, everything changes. You will never see life the same way again. You will never see your family, your church, your pastors, your worship. Listen to me. We loved church planting, but it was like the most horrible moments sometimes. We we came in and we're having worship. My wife, if you don't know, my wife's known for worship. Like she's worshipped a lot. All over the world. <laughs> All over the world. Everybody knows about we went from like thousands of people worshiping, just like, ah, you know, weep. Oh, we get in our minivan with our goldfish. I only say that to you because it was so sad because I didn't know that you're not supposed to take a goldfish from sea level. I won't tell you, but it was, it was not good. It was not a Nemo died a horrible death of altitude. And uh, we we go, we've, we don't have any money, we quit a perfectly good job, we have a reputation, we gave up conferences, and, and, we, and we're going over the top of the Rocky Mountains, and over the top, and then our goldfish dies. Oh. <laughs> Are you sure we're supposed to do this, babe? I don't know. Our goldfish died. It's amazing how emotional you get when you step out in faith. <laughs> It's one thing to get out of the boat and walk on water. It's another thing to get out on the boat and walk on water, and the guys in the boat take off and leave you there. That's what church planning feels like. I want back in the boat. We're, we're, and then we have worship. We've got about 80 people in our church at this time, and, and they're, all, they're from all over the place. Guys, they're they're from everywhere. They're completely unsaved. They're like serious Catholics hitting the beads while we're looking at us like, where are we? Just hitting hitting the beads. Um, Baptist, Presbyterians, Pentecostals, everybody's in there. And we, my wife stands up here just like this. She says, "All right, everybody," she says, "I want you to, I want everyone to, to uh, stand to your feet for worship." And uh, here's my wife, the worship leader. And uh, everyone stand to your feet for worship, and nobody stands up. So she, she's thinking there must be something wrong with the sound, because that's what you think in normal church. There's something wrong with the sound. Look at the sound guy. <laughs> Fix it. <laughs> I'd like everyone to stand up for worship. Nobody stands up. And then we're this close. It's a church plant. You have no idea how comfortable it is to be in a church of thousands where you don't have to look at anybody. We're this close, just like this. And a wife looks at the husband and goes, I'm not going to stand up. Are you going to stand up? He goes, heck no. If you're the worship leader and you can hear it, tears. Totally different kind of tears. Just... Not, not like an anointed, there's no nothing. My wife is crying. And I'm sitting in the front row. And I say to Jesus, I'm not going out like this. <laughs> so I go up and take the mic. And I said, all right, everybody. it's my time up? It is, isn't it? Good, that's the right answer. Um, <laughs> all right, everybody. Here's what we're going to do. I want everyone to stand up. And so they all stood up. And They're kind of like, oh, no, no, no. I'm thinking, this is what we do in worship. (laughs) you say that? (laughs) No, you have to understand, they wouldn't stand. (laughs) This is what we do. And they're just like, oh, yeah. I mean, it was like, and then I said, so here's what we're going to do. The Lord says, treat them like children. So I said, now I want everyone to do this. Here we go. (laughs) By the way, this actually happened. I said, everybody take your right hand and put it in the air. (laughs) So everybody takes the right hand and they put it in the air. Now I'm thinking about Hannah and Elizabeth right now who have known me for 20 years and know where I come from and to understand the moment that I was in. It makes you want to intercede for me right now, doesn't it? Everybody put your right hand in the air. So all these adults are like, okay. (laughs) We're going to name it. Your right hand is named happy. I said that. Everyone everyone show me happy and they were like like this, they're all laughing, like we're getting out of here. Now take your left hand and, and we're gonna name your left hand really happy. And so now, now you're r- happy and really happy you've never met before, so they're gonna meet together right now. I said, like, on to count of three, I want everyone to go, don't do this with me just because I'm, yeah. Everyone, one, two, three. I said, no, I said, look, they're kinda happy, but now we're gonna do it again. Here we go, one, two, three. Like this, I said, go like this, like this. Like this. Oh, no, no. And I turned to Donna and I was like, play, play, play the music right now, play, play. I did. Oscar! I was like, play right now! They're clapping their hands! And I was just like How you doing buddy? I literally did not even know you were back here. <laughs> I'm so freaked out right now. <laughs> Anyways, um, is that not how it started? And so let me, let me explain something to you. When you come to our church now and you see this place packed out and people are worshiping, right? And their hands lift, people are crying. People are bringing their own Kleenex boxes to the altar. You know what I mean? If someone brings their own Kleenex box to the altar, God's moving, I'm just saying. I, we have those, I brought my own. Awesome, awesome. And you're like, wow, this place worships, this place is, you have no idea what I'm abiding in. I'm abiding in when I couldn't get anybody to stand up. So I know that God is faithful and that God's gonna move and God's gonna do something. Cause I'm not in here, I'm back there. I'm over there when my goldfish died. And I quit my job, right? That's where I'm at. So this is this is what it means. It's like we don't we don't see this because Christians don't have this this thing in them sometimes because they're not abiding in something that was so transformative that they can never leave it. And so he he says this. He says, guys, he says, that which was from the beginning, you remember my other book? Which we have heard, we saw, we looked at, and our hands touched. This is what I'm talking about. So he's saying, "What what are you doing right now? He's trying to get them back in their relationship with Jesus. Just a couple more things. And then, And then it goes on to verse two. And this life appeared. Abiding is knowing, should be knowing if it says no, is knowing who God really is. So so over here, in number one, we're like, okay, I have to experience this and live in it, but to to really experience it, I've got to know who God really is. So who is is he? This life appeared, and we testify it, testify it. So this word appeared, and the NIV is actually okay, but it's not the best translation of this verse, right? Uh, it's better in the ESV or the NASB if you care about those things, but that's why some people call the, the NIV the nearly inspired version, right? So sometimes they, they don't quite get the translation j- just right, but really the word here is manifested. It's manifested. This life manifested. So when Jesus came down to earth, see, in the Old Testament, if we wanted to be with God, we had to go into his tent. We went into his tent, and he was in there, and we had to go through all this work to get in there, to become as perfect as we could before anybody got in his presence. So God, in his mercy, knows that none of us are perfect, right? So one day, he says, I'm going to go down to earth and get in their tent, so that they never have to feel like they got to be perfect again right? So he manifested himself. He manifested, so he showed He showed up, he appeared, and he's here. But this word manifest does not just mean to show up, because he walked and did ministry for three years, and the Bible says then he was glorified. So to be manifested means that you got to see who he really is, because there were thousands of people who saw him, but didn't see who he really was, And then at a certain point, he manifested, the Bible says he glorified himself, he even told the apostles, it is time for my glorification. He went to the grave, he came out of the grave and was resurrected. And all of a sudden, now people who were around him because he had appeared were now relating to him in the book of Acts in his glorification. They were living a life now with Jesus in his resurrection and not just his appearing. There is a different way of living when you live with Jesus in a resurrected state as opposed to he's around state. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't, but when he comes out of the grave and hangs out with you, Acts chapter 1 for 40 days, he just hangs out with you with holes in his hands, holes in his eyes, completely resurrected. There's no more drama. There's no more questions. It's like it's, like it's resurrected. Living a life with Jesus in a resurrected way it's like every promise is going to come true. Everything is going to come to pass. We're going to walk through this thing. We're going to see miracles. It doesn't matter what comes my way. I'm going to believe. I'm going to be strong. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to walk through it. I don't care if it's if it's the worship that kind of goes wanky on a for a few weeks for us or if it's the fact that our no tithe came in. You know, no tithe came in. Doesn't matter. We're still here. We're not leaving. We we didn't have any tithe buckets. So I sent someone to Ikea to get tithe buckets. And all they had was metal cans. Never take the tithe in a metal can. We had like 15 people that day. If you can hear the tithe when it hits the bottom of the bucket, clank, you are in trouble. If if it clinks when it hits the bottom, you just start praying, Lord Jesus, you brought me here. This is your word. You resurrected in your life. And now we got through the first month. We got through the first year. We got through the third year when about 100 people, you know, 100 of our people kind of just decided to go somewhere else because I was preaching a message on the Holy Spirit. And so they just didn't want to do that. So they they chose her. And then we get down the road. And and then all of a sudden, another 100 people walk out the door because I started preaching a multicultural, multi-ethnic church, every language, every color, every every kind of food, you know, because the kingdom is really about food. And and all of a sudden people start, and all of a sudden, no, we're going to get through this. No, we're going to get through that. No, we're going to make it through this. And all of a sudden, if you say to me, if you were to say to my wife and I, hey, do you regret church planting? We had a pastor one time come up to us and be like, do you regret it? Do I regret the fact that I got to walk with Jesus and see him fulfill every promise that he made to us? And you're wondering if I had a bad day. Yeah, I had a bad day. Yeah, I had a bad day when no money came in. Yeah, I had a bad day when our church wouldn't worship. Yeah, I had, I had a bad day when I misquoted a scripture and my church, everyone emailed me to let me know. <laughs> yeah, I had a bad day when we had 23 location changes. And in Denver, it snows a lot. We had like, like three months, two months in a row where we had to leave at 4.30 in the morning with shovels to dig out the trailers so that we could get in the trailer, get to a hotel somewhere. Yeah, was it hard? Yeah, but are you asking me if, if, I, if I regret church planting? Because in the middle of, of, of all of these people filling this auditorium right now, they're, they're all here because they are having a transformative experience. Listen, based on, this is incredible, based on a resurrection and not just a church experience. Because if, if it's not based on the resurrection, everything can go away and it won't matter. But if it's based on a resurrection, transformative manifest, the, his appearing always leads to glorify, glorifying himself in your life. And that's where you live with Jesus. It doesn't leave you. It doesn't go away. I'm talking about the Jesus that I know, the Jesus I saw, the Jesus I touched, the Jesus I hung out with, the Jesus who visits me, the Jesus who gives me prophetic words, the Jesus who told me to keep going, the Jesus who said you'd be and mean to your wife, get yourself in order. You're grumpy, you need a break. The Jesus that comes over here and helps me with my children to be a good dad. No, I don't regret it. I'm done. So why don't you stand to your feet with me this morning? Okay, why don't you stand up and uh, put happy, to, let happy meet happy right now. Come on, somebody, let's, there you go. See? 24 years of this right here. Literally 24 years of me doing this and watching her come, come, to, the, come to the pulpit. We have had experiences. We abide, we, we abide in them. And you can't take them from, no, no one can take them. Jesus is, is as real today to me as he was when he walked me through every single challenge that we ever faced. But the reason why people sometimes struggle is because when they're in those moments, Jesus, either they feel like Jesus didn't appear, didn't help them, or maybe their focus was on people instead of God's presence, or maybe they, they, they just kinda, they, somewhere along the line, they thought maybe he wasn't real. And I just want to remind you that in these verses, this is actually what he's dealing with because these guys didn't think he was real. There are people in the church that were saying, I don't even know if he's real anymore. He's real. Some of you have just been through so much, you know, and you've wondered if Jesus is real. And some of you are in a moment right now. I mean, you're here right now in a moment where you're like, man, I need Jesus. I need him to be real. He wants to show up for you. He wants to strengthen you. He wants to bless you. He wants to create a life with you so that you have markers in your life where you can look back to. And he says, see, I told you I would fulfill my promise.
0: Thanks again for listening to the Convo Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, do us a favor, subscribe to this podcast, rate and review us on iTunes, and share our podcast with your family, friends, and team members. If you live in the Reno area, come and be a part of Convo Church. Check us out on convochurch.com and follow us on social media at Convo Church. We'll see you next time here on the Convo Church podcast.